All right, welcome to the show, Mike Farrell Sports Show. My name is Adam, as always. Mike Farrell is with me, the godfather of recruiting for another week. Thanks uh, so much for everyone tuning in, particularly if you're on the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that button down low that says subscribe as well. That way this uh, this fine program will pop into your feed anytime Mike and I get off our lazy ass and decide to do one, Mike. And this week, we, we've got a good one because the week four slate, uh, a couple of themes stuck out to me. There were some teams that kind of played some some other teams close, and I, I think the right team won in the end. But there were some upsets that uh, took place this week, Mike. And let's dive into maybe one of the first one. I'm not sure if anyone saw this one coming. Number six, Oklahoma at home welcomes Kansas State in. And uh, Kansas State pulls off a 41-34 upset led by former Nebraska quarterback Adrian Martinez, uh, Brent Venables, uh, De- Jeff Levy, uh, Dylan Gabriel led offense, not enough to keep K State off the victory. Mike, how surprised were you by this? Not overly surprised. And people will say that's hindsight, you know, 2020. But I thought Kansas State was my my sleeper in the 12. I didn't pick them to win the Big 12, but a sleeper meaning that they could give some teams some problems. And you know, coming off their their route of Missouri, uh, they really let down. Obviously, lost to Tulane um, in what I felt was just a absolute, you know, free money situation. Tulane was getting 14. Kansas State was going to overlook them. They had Oklahoma next, blah, blah, blah. They end up losing to Tulane and then coming out and playing. I expected them to play against Oklahoma. Um, I figured this would be a close game. Oklahoma gives uh, Kansas State gives Oklahoma problems. Um, you know, it's a very effective offense when it's rolling. You know, Martinez is running and throwing and, and Deuce Vaughn is a threat and Sometimes you use them as a as a decoy. Sometimes as a you know, they don't really use them as a receiver that much these days. But um, I just I wasn't shocked. So people, you know, look at Oklahoma and they're like, "This is a team that's made the playoffs." But Lincoln Riley, we're happy he's gone. Blah blah blah. Um, it's a, not an easy job to get to the playoff uh, three times in five years, and it's not an easy job to fixed defensive woes in one year. Um, Venables is a defensive coach, but he's personnel that he's working with, and they just aren't that good. Um, so they gave up a ton of points. They made Adrian Martinez look like Tom Brady. Wasn't a stunner to me. It was really surprising they didn't adjust to the running game of Martinez. Um, but, you know, 21 carries, 148 yards. Uh, by far the leading rusher in the entire game. That surprised me a bit, but not that Kansas State won. Kansas State's a really good football team that's going to give a lot of teams some trouble down the line. Were you surprised by the Oklahoma offense? Uh, this is obviously a team that you know could put up points that, that they couldn't hang with K-State as much as um, – I, I guess I'll get your impression on Dylan Gabriel. Obviously, I, I cover UCF, as many of you know, uh, so I have my thoughts on Dylan Gabriel and, and sort of how he's played in big games. What did you make of Dylan Gabriel's performance? I mean, nothing wrong with what he did. <laughs> Four touchdowns, no interceptions, you know, completion rate uh, at, at near 80, 330 yards. Um, you know, I think it was a situation where they they established what they wanted to establish, which is get the ball to Marvin Mims, let him get the ball in space, let him create, you know, use some of their bigger receivers like Theo Weiss and, and Farouk, um, you know, get Eric Gray going, running the football. Uh, I think overall, it really wasn't a, an issue with Oklahoma's offense. Um, we expect them to score 50 points. We expect them to outscore everybody in a, you know, sort of a shootout type of game. 
Um, 34 points should win the football game. Just should. Um, Dylan Gabriel's performance should win the football game. Now, you as a UCF guy, what did you see? Because I don't see how I don't see how he could be any sort of factor in the blame here. Yeah, third down, he had an easy throw to Stoops, right? That would have uh, would have moved the chains uh, and underthrows him, overthrows him. Basically, it's not a connection. They got to go off the field. They punt. K State gets the ball back. They go down and score. I think that's that's the challenge with, with Dylan Gabriel. In my experience, is you'll see him make these big plays. You'll see these eye catching boss scores. But there's there's always a moment or two in the game where he needs to do one thing specifically: make one play, make one throw, make one read. And and time and time again, if you look at his history at UCF, he came up with a big short, particularly in big games. So I wasn't surprised to see him, you know, flood that third down past the stoops, which would have kept the clock moving, would have kept the chains moving, would have potentially allowed them to even the score up. He seems to just have that one moment every game. And maybe it's nitpicking, Mike. Maybe I'm finding the one pass out of, well, he threw 39, he completed 26, right? You know, I'm, I'm finding one pass out of that. But that's just been a bit of a, a trajectory with him is when the, when the big play is needed. And I don't mean big play by over-the-top 50-yard touchdown. I need I mean big play like third and six, we need seven. That's typically where he hasn't necessarily always uh, stepped up to the bill. Yeah, and, 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 you know, third down efficiency wasn't great, you know, despite his statistics. As you mentioned, 26 to 39, 330 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, really efficient football game. Four of 13 on third down. That, it's a little bit to be desired. Whereas uh, the state was eight of 17, you know, completely uh, different scenario there. They, they kept on the field. They stayed on the field, gave their defense a chance to rest. Uh, they kept drives alive. Um, penalties, man. I mean, penalties really killed them. 11 penalties, nearly a hundred yards worth of them. Just a sloppy game from that perspective. There were no fumbles. There were no interceptions. There was really, as you mentioned, you know, that, that underthrow was, was key at the end of the game. But when you look at, as far as a clean football game, um, you know, Gabriel played a clean game. They did what they wanted to do from the game plan perspective. Uh, penalties kind of knocked them back. And Kansas State just looked like the better football team. Um, Adrian Martinez, that's how he was supposed to play at Nebraska. Um, and, and if you remember correctly, he can give difficult teams a lot of problems. You know, he sort of plays up a little bit to his competition. So it didn't shock me. You know, we've got an interesting Big 12 Texas loss to Texas Tech, and we don't have to spend a ton of time on that. Um, simply because that's certainly not a surprise. I mean, Texas has been disappointing us for a very long time, one 10-win season since 2009, and just on and on with finding ways to lose football games and this one come back late and then lose it again. It's just Texas is being Texas. Oklahoma, I knew they would probably take a little step back. I still think they're a good football team. I still think they have a chance to win the Big 12. But when you look, look at the Big 12 – Man, it's 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 hard to say the Big 12 is loaded, which because it just doesn't seem right to say that, but it's kind of loaded. I mean, Kansas State's a tough team. Baylor's obviously a very good football team. Oklahoma State just keeps winning football games under Gundy and no one pays attention. Um, you know, you look at the efficiency of Kansas and how good they have been now under Lance Leopold. Um, Texas Tech kind of scary a little bit. You know, they hung in with NC State and beating Texas. This is – and then, of course, you know, Iowa State doesn't really get talked about a lot. Um, Matt Campbell, they lost to Baylor. It was a close game. He's a good coach, and they're a difficult team. So 
just a lot of parity in that conference. And, and Oklahoma is going to really have to scratch to, to win it. Um, and I expected that with Riley leaving. Well, who, who does win it? You mentioned the breakup, the Kansas Jayhawks. I mean, they, they, they trounced Duke. Not sure if that's really something you put a headline on, but who, who wins this big 12? I, I I'm, I'm gravitating towards Oklahoma state. Um, you know, I and mean, we saw some weaknesses of Baylor against BYU and we saw some BYU weaknesses against Oregon, you know, Kansas, I love the story. You know, I love the fact that they're, you know, winning games and and, and obviously scoring a lot of points. Um, but I don't know if we can keep counting on, you know, scoring 35 plus a game. Um, and they've got a little bit of a rough stretch after Iowa State and TCU where they play Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State. Um, and then they finish with Texas and Kansas State. So I, I can't see Kansas winning it. Um, Baylor, maybe. Oklahoma, maybe. Um, but right now I'm leaning towards the, the fighting, uh, Mike Gundy's, they just, they play efficiently. I know they looked horrible against central Michigan early in the season, but they play efficiently, efficiently. He's a good coach. His team's always prepared. Um, and they are just quietly one of those teams that could easily run off a 12 and 0 season and no one will pay attention. All right, we got one more upset uh, in the top 25. We'll get back to that in a second. Let's let's get to the closer games, Mike, the, the interesting games. Number five, Clemson. Wake Forest gives them all they can handle. They, they stretch that thing to OT, but uh, DJU comes out on the, on the right side. Five touchdown passes. Mike Clemson wins 51-45 in a shootout with Wake Forest. Uh, this was an interesting back-and-forth game. I mean, obviously, DJU played really well. Uh, you know, Wake Forest with some really questionable play calling, in my opinion, down the stretch there when they could have potentially gone down the field. They, they ran you know, five, six straight plays in a row. Clemson stuffs them, puts that thing into overtime, and comes out with the win. What were your takeaways? Did Clemson win? Did Wake Forest lose? Is Clemson good? Are they back? What's going on with Clemson? Uh, I, I Wake Forest, I don't know. I, they, they probably – I love Clawson as a coach. I think he's very, very good and done a tremendous job with that program. Given their unbelievable limitations compared to some other programs in the conference, I, I think they gave this one away a little bit. Um, you know, I see people saying we all owe an apology to DJ Wongalele. No, no, we don't. You know, 371 yards at five TDs, that's great. Um, but, you know, it's one game. And this is who we expected to see when he was doing the Dr. Pepper commercials and after those two years in COVID. Uh, maybe this is going to be the thing that gets him over the top. But what I was really honestly concerned about, if I'm Clemson, is the defense. Um, they just did not look good, especially on the back end. You know, Sam Hartman throws for six touchdowns. You know, 20 to 29, 337 yards, um, just carved them apart. And that's not a good sign. I really thought Clemson's defense would be a little bit better than this. Um, you know, the pressure was there from the interior. You know, Tyler Davis had a sack and a half. And, uh, you know, Brian Brzee is always disrupting plays. Miles Murphy from the edge. Their front is fine. The linebackers surprised me a little bit. Um, you know, Trenton Simpson is a very good football player. Um, you know, Barrett Carter is very athletic. They made plays, but they also missed tackles. And then the back end just looked awful. Um, and that's a big concern for me. So I think what we learned in this game is Simpson's not as strong as we expected them to be. Um, and that the struggles that they had early in the season, you know, they killed Georgia Tech, but it wasn't a great performance. You know, Furman and Louisiana Tech. I mean, Louisiana Tech, they didn't destroy. They'd be pretty good. 
Um, a lot of the offensive woes that we see are starting to be ironed out, but defensively, this team might be more susceptible than we thought. NC State coming up this weekend, then they have at Boston College. At your number 23-ranked Florida State Seminoles, Mike, while we're here, let's just talk about Florida State 4-0. They take Boston College down. It sounds like you're making a trip to Tallahassee soon to hang out with your friends there. Maybe not yeah. this week there's going to be a hurricane, but maybe next week you should go hang out and see what's going on in Tallahassee. I think those, those guys love you up there. should probably go during the hurricane so I get swept away and die because that's what everybody wants. Um, Mike Norvell, okay, so I, I obviously – Put out the tweet that said I couldn't find six wins on this schedule. They've got four in four games. Um, when I looked at the schedule, I obviously assumed Duquesne would be a win. I assumed LSU would be a loss. Um, I figured a split between Louisville and Boston College, and then we get into the teeth. They got Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson coming up. So are they going to be four and three, and everybody's going to be questioning him? Are they going to be seven and oh in the top five in the country, perhaps, after Wake Forest, NC State, Clemson? That's what we're on the precipice of finding out here. And, and it's funny because it really comes down to one blocked extra point. I, I believe this team believed in itself after the LSU game. Had that point not been blocked, had this gone to overtime, had LSU somehow won that football game, Florida State would have been kicking themselves for, you know, obviously a pitch play on the one-yard line, which led to a fumble, giving up a 99-yard drive for a touchdown to tie the game. Blah, 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 on and on. There's so many Mike Norvell isn't the right coach for us. What are we going to do? He, but that one blocked extra point, I think, led this Florida State team to believe they can win, build their confidence even further. The Louisville game did that as well because everybody contributed in that win. And now Boston College wasn't even a, a, a thought. They just destroyed them. And that's kind of what we're used to seeing Florida State, um, you know, beat the the, 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 the BCs and the Georgia Techs and the Syracuse and Louisville's the world handily. Um, so where are we at with this team? They're, they're much, much better than I thought they would be. Norvell's done one of the best coaching jobs so far in the country. Um, I got them worst case scenario, five and two after this three game gauntlet, which is mm, great. Okay. You know, so you have you have them beating either Wake, NC State, or Clemson. One of those three should be victories, and more likely, I would say, since it's you know, at home is Wake Forest, um, and NC you know, State's at, on the road, Clemson at home. Yeah, at NC State's tough, and Clemson is of course tough. And I just said Clemson might be a little bit overrated, but not to the level of yeah. Remember, this Clemson team was beating Florida State a couple of years ago by I don't know forty points, so they kind of have their number there. So I can't really predict an upset there, but, but what would be nice to see, not for my timeline nor my emotional state stability or state would be a seven and Florida state team after Clemson. That would be just cool for college football, you know, and we're going to segue into Miami. I know, um, you know, when a team like Florida state is, is, is successful and a team like Texas and USC and Miami and some of the other programs in Michigan last year and this year, um, it's good for college football because uh, those are big, big fan bases. Those are rabid fans that want to have a passion about football and they haven't had one in a very long time. And when you talk, talk about recruiting, I mean, they just got Hakeem Williams last week, a five-star wide receiver from Florida. Uh, that was an early trend to A&M, but because of the success that had, they were able to keep him in state biggest commitment since Cam Akers for them, you know, which seems like a million years ago. Momentum is going very well in Tallahassee here 
And it's all because of a blocked extra point, which is just sometimes how this works. Uh, they, they start to believe in themselves. Yeah, I think that blocked extra point. But I also think Tate Rodemaker coming in and relief of an injured Jordan Travis pulling out of win at Louisville on the road on a Friday night. Probably, to your point, give them just a whirlwind of confidence going into to what they're working on. Obviously, Jordan Travis is back. We'll see how healthy he can remain. But um, I think that probably helped from a confidence standpoint. Um, we're in the state of Florida, so let's stay in the state of Florida for a second. The Gators travel to Knoxville, take on Tennessee. Uh, fantastic environment, Mike. Just uh, the overhead shots of the of the orange and white checkerboard. That stadium was uh, was electric, uh, and Tennessee comes out with a 38-33 victory. They were, in, you know, pretty much had this game in hand for a period of time. I think they tried to give it away at the end there, but they hold on. Uh, Tennessee now 4-0 under, under Josh Heupel. Uh, the Vols are ecstatic the first time they've actually been uh, ranked this high in a long time, Mike. Uh, what does this say more about the way that Tennessee is coming together, and, and are they a viable threat, or is Florida just still not, not the team that you thought they were going to be? No, everything about this is about Tennessee. I, I don't think this is about Florida. Um, you know, I mean, the atmosphere there was amazing. Um, you know, this team plays hard. Uh, this team, you know, continues to grind on defense, on offense, um, you know. And and there's something about this football team that you just see that you didn't see with Butch Jones. You didn't see with Jeremy Pruitt. And they had their moments, both of those coaches. But you didn't truly believe it. Um, you know, whether it was a fluke play here and there or a fluke win here and there, you know, this was a team that owns them, that, that has really owned them for a very, very long time. Um, and a team that certainly psychologically could have gotten their head and they could have stubbed their toe and, and, and lost this lead and blown this game. And they didn't do it. Um, and I think that speaks volumes to the new head coach, um, what he believes in and the leadership on this team. They seem to be playing together. Uh, Florida, a work in progress. Okay, we, we saw them beat Utah and then Kentucky and USF gave them trouble and Kentucky blew them out. And, and they're two and two, but we kind of knew that. We didn't know how good Tennessee was going to be. And still, we don't. Kentucky still could be the number two team in the East. Um, you know, crossover, Ole Miss could be a better football team in the SEC. We don't know, but we do know 4 0, Rocky Top was rocking. And I do believe that Tennessee is is heading in a great direction. A really, really big visit weekend for them as well. Uh, recruiting's going well. Everything seems to be on the upswing momentum-wise. And just like I said, college football is better when teams like this are good. And, and a, a good Tennessee football team is, is great for college football. I can take my word for it. When the Josh Heupel offense is rolling, it's hard to stop, Mike. But Hen I'm I'm like flabbergasted at how well Hendon Hooker's playing. 22 of 28, 349 yards in the air, two touchdowns, ran for another 112 and ran another touchdown. And Mike, he, he is playing just fantastic football right now. A guy, obviously, at Virginia Tech, who essentially becomes odd man out, goes to Heupel. Doesn't even start initially, right? Everyone forgets Joe Milton from the Michigan days ends up as Heupel starter early on. He yeah. goes to Hendon Hooker. And uh, hasn't looked back, Mike. And he's he's a big reason why, in my opinion, Tennessee's offense is playing so well right now. And I think that was the one mistake Heupel made to start. You know, I mean, Joe Milton wasn't the guy, but it might have been the best thing. Because I, I think it pissed off Hooker. I, I really do. I think he's a kid who plays with a chip on his shoulder. This is going back to his high school days. Um, I, You know, people not believing in him. He was underranked at high school. 
um, you know, sort of had a good start at Virginia Tech and then regressed a bit. And I think that really wore on him uh, that he wasn't, you know, able to sort of take the next step there. And, and the talent around him wasn't very great and the coaching wasn't very great. Um, then he comes to Tennessee, loses the job to a guy that, you know, everybody up in Michigan sort of laughed at. You can't complete a five yard pass without hitting somebody in the helmet. It pissed him off. And, and sometimes with that rage comes a little bit of recklessness a little bit of I'm going to show you. Um, and sometimes it comes with just laser focus. And that's what you see from Hooker. Laser focus. Eight touchdowns, no interceptions again. Last year was 31-3. and three. He's so good protecting the football. He's physical and tough. I mean, he got knocked around. He had sacked eight times, knocked around, had run the ball a ton, um, and didn't care and was in the face of every defender. This is a kid who really wants it. This is a kid who believes it. This is a kid who was disrespected, uh, but he's not taking it to that next level where I'm going to just throw into traffic and try to make too much happen. He stayed within himself and made himself, you know, I mean, arguably, arguably, and I'm not saying this is true, but the best quarterback in the SEC. I mean, there's a lot of good ones, but you could certainly make a case for him, you know, over, some guys, you know, whether they're Ballyhooed recruits like Bryce Young or whether they're, you know, little sort of underdog scenarios like Stetson Bennett, um, Hooker can make that case as the best quarterback in the SEC. Tennessee's got a bye this week, Mike, then at LSU, home Alabama, home UT Martin, home Kentucky at Georgia. So we're about to find out really quickly a lot about Tennessee again at LSU. Alabama um, game, Alabama. At Alabama game. So in the past many years, when they've gone and played Alabama, whether home or away or whatever, um, cross division, they've got thumped and embarrassed. You know, and they've embarrassed themselves, whether it's the, the flipping off the crowd or whatever. They just looked horrible. That is a key game for them. At LSU is not fun. They, lucky for them, it's not a night game. Um, and that'll be a challenge. But that Alabama game, I think, is a real you know, check the pulse for Texas. We thought it was, it didn't turn out to be check the pulse because they're just down uh, to their competition. I think Tennessee playing up and I'm not saying they're going to beat Alabama, but if they stay in that game, make it close, that's going to be sort of the game that, you know, I think springboards them into, into that Kentucky, Georgia, you know, fight for the East type of, uh, you know, down the stretch battle. You said the word embarrassed, Mike, yeah. and that can only bring up one game. Yes. The Miami Hurricanes and yes. the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders, 45-31. The U, decidedly not back, Mike. This was just a bit embarrassing. Tyler Van Dyke has, has just regressed. I'm not sure if it's play calling, not sure it's mechanics. Uh, I mean, he goes 16 of 32, two picks. QBR was 22. Miami just couldn't get out of its own way. It seemed like, uh, you know, Middle Tennessee could get whatever they wanted. I mean, it seems like they were throwing 80-yard bombs from their two-yard line. They, I mean, they had they had all they had to do whatever they wanted, Mike. There's there's close games, and there's, hey, you know, they, they squeak one out. This was a this was a beatdown. I mean, this was a yeah. legitimate win from start to finish. Absolute embarrassment. You know, I mean, you go down 10 nothing. you're down 17-3 to after – you know, the first four, you're down 24 to three at one point, 24, 10 and a half time. Never got close. 31, 17, maybe there's a, a sniff of hope. And then, you know, 98 yard touchdown pass uh, from, I mean, how does that happen? Uh, these things are inexcusable. Um, 
it's embarrassing and it's it's damning and you know i get i get the fans outrage you know josh gaddis comes in from michigan and he's got more of a pro style conservative balanced offense and that's not what tyler van dyke does it's not his strength so tyler van dyke goes from oh we're gonna see this potential first round quarterback they don't play texas a&m and he looked like garbage in that game and then he gets benched against middle tennessee and jake garcia is the guy i don't know you know, what Cristobal is going to do. I assume he's going to go back to Van Dyke, but you want to talk about everything going wrong for everybody involved. Mario Cristobal is now being laughed at, and he's only, what, four games into his, you know, college career at Miami, his dream job. But, you know, losing to MTSU, everybody's going to laugh at you. Um, You know, Van Dyke has fallen four or five rounds in the NFL draft at least just from – two performances, especially this one. <clears throat> and this team, you know, heading into Texas A&M, you wondered if they could win 10. Heading into North Carolina, um, you know, luckily for them, they have a bye week. But heading into North Carolina the week after this weekend, you wonder if this team is 6-6. Six and six. Because now this brings North Carolina as a loss into play. It brings everybody including Georgia Tech, which I doubt would happen, but brings Georgia Tech into play. Because if you, you lose to, to Middle Tennessee this way, I never ever show a fight. Um, and always, honest to God, when it was when it was 31-17, and they, 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 they gave up that 98-yard touchdown pass, I was astounded. That's when I tweeted, I don't even know what's happening here. Like this yeah. was supposed to be a game. Maybe if they let it get away and they're down 31-17, maybe they come back and scrap together a 34-31 embarrassing win. But no, you get drubbed. And and there's really no coming back from that this season. I think this team is in a lot of trouble. Chase Cunningham, quarterback for Middle Tennessee, had touchdown passes of 71, 69. And 98 yards, Mike. It isn't like they were dinking and dunking. I mean, they, they went, you know, they went all over the place. Uh, and then Miami returns the kickoff for a touchdown after that 98 yarder. And you think, okay, is this the spark that you need? Is this going to be the thing? Nope. Middle Tennessee, 12 play drive, 75 yards, goes down, scores again, 45 24. And at that point, the, the white flags Wait, were all over the place. Kind of toying, doing whatever they want. Yeah. You know, yep. listen, Rick Stockstill is a great coach. He's been around for a very, very long time. He took that Middle Tennessee job 100 years ago. Uh, he was a, a big-time recruiter and a hot assistant coach, and he never moved and never wavered, which is smart. Uh, he's not a dummy, and he outcoached Cristobal, um, and his team was more prepared. And and listen, Mario Cristobal is a great recruiter. He, he was fun to watch at Alabama as a recruiter. He was fun to watch at Oregon as a recruiter. He won two Pac-12 titles, you know, one of them sort of by default. Um, but there's always been questions about his coaching ability. Um, and that's going to continue, especially if they lose games like this. You know, hiring Kevin Steele has been at 58 programs over the last, you know, 10 years. Uh, and hiring Josh Gaddis, you know, who was disgruntled at Michigan, obviously. These things aren't working out, and it's early. Now, again, we're in an overreaction type of world. So this is the world that I live in. Okay, so Florida was the best team ever after they beat Utah, and Anthony Richardson was the number one overall pick. Okay, that's fallen off in three weeks badly. Florida State is 4-0, and they're the best team in the history of college football. So we'll see what happens there. Miami loses to Middle Tennessee, and Cristobal's a failure, and Miami sucks forever. 
none of these are true. Florida is not a horrible football team. Florida State is not the best football team in the world. And, and Mario Cristobal is, it doesn't mean he's not a good fit there. But things need to be changed because every time they had an opportunity to get momentum, uh, it was thrown away. And, and Chase Cunningham, to your point, he threw for 408 yards against a bunch of four-star uh, defensive backs. And, and he just made it look easy. Around the top 10, Mike, a lot of games, one-score games. Uh, usually the, the the higher team obviously won the game, Mike. But I'm curious of these four, which one was more surprising? Which one had you a little bit more um, you know, confused? Michigan, 34, Maryland, 27. USC, 17. Oregon State, 14. Kentucky, 31. Northern Illinois, 23. Or the Fighting Jimbo Fishers, 23. Your favorite team, your favorite coach, Sam Pittman, 21. Of those four games, which one was more surprising to you? The Maryland game was surprising to me. Um, so I'll get to the other ones first. USC going into Oregon State. Oregon State hasn't lost at home in a very, very long time. Well-coached football team, difficult battle on the road, and USC was riding this high. You got all these transfers. You know, uh, Caleb Williams came down to earth a little bit, was bailed out by the defense, uh, and die on offense at run, running the football. You know, but 16 or 36, 180 yards, not a good game for, for Caleb Williams. But you knew this was going to happen, you know, whether it was Oregon State or somebody else. That was expected. Kentucky doesn't blow anybody out. I don't care who you are. I mean, yeah, they beat Florida pretty soundly, but that, that's still like, what, two scores. They don't blow anybody out. Um, they beat Miami of Ohio 37 to 13, whoop-de-doo. They beat Youngstown State 31 to nothing, whoop-de-doo. I don't expect them to blow anybody out. And the fact that they struggle with Northern Illinois doesn't stun me. And it doesn't stun me that Texas A&M beat Arkansas. You know, it's a neutral site game. Texas A&M has a ton of talent. Um, I think Arkansas sort of blew this one. Uh, so, you know, the legendary coach of Sam Pittman, he didn't have a great game. Um, and I don't think he coached this one very well down the stretch. To me, though, you know, Michigan played nobody. You know, uh, three cadaver football teams. But Maryland impressed me. So, Oregon State, I knew was okay. Northern Illinois, I don't really care. Arkansas, 50-50 whether they lose or not. But Maryland impressed me. Um, and I think this is more about Maryland impressing me. They gave away a touchdown on the first freaking play of the game, obviously, with the kick return. They hung in here. Um, Loxley's done a really good job. And they got killed in the portal. I mean, killed. Um, and the fact that they're still able to put together a roster that could give Michigan trouble, and Michigan really had to lean on their running game and that power game of theirs, um, that surprised me. So Michigan's not as good as I thought, uh, and Maryland's better than I thought, and that game kind of surprised me. Well, if we're going to talk Michigan, let's talk Ohio State for a second. Uh, they yeah. obviously have Wisconsin uh, at home, the blackout. And that one was over pretty early, Mike. Uh, you know, obviously, Ohio State gives up a, a two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Not as close as the score would indicate, 52-21. Ohio State all over Wisconsin. And this is what's funny about um, Ohio State is they're just so dangerous when they're on that C.J. Stroud doesn't even have to be a good quarterback. I mean, he was 17-27, 281 yards, five TDs, and a pick. It's not outstanding, but he gets bailed out by his offensive talent. It's amazing. You know, whether it's Cade Stover making a great catch, uh, you know, whether it's Fleming or whether it's Ibuka or whether it's Harrison. I mean, Smith and Jigba didn't even play. Um, he still locks on. He still goes to his first read more often than not, and you just can't stop it. 
doesn't matter. You know, if, if Fleming's his first read on a slant and he's covered, he'll still throw it and Fleming will figure out a way to catch it and make a play. Uh, then you get the two-headed monster at running back of Henderson and Williams. You can't stop them either. Um, when this offense is rolling, uh, I don't care who you are, and Wisconsin's a pretty good defensive football team, you have no chance. Um, unless you're Georgia, unless you're Alabama, unless you have better athletes on defense. Um, so this is the Ohio State I expected to see against Notre Dame. This is the score I expected to see against Notre Dame. It just took them four games to sort of, you know, ease their way into this offense. And when Smith and Jigba's back, uh, I don't think there's a way to really stop Stroud from winning the Heisman this year. I don't see anybody beating them in the regular season. That doesn't mean they're going to win the national title. I still had in the beginning of the season, and I, I could change this and, and, you know, thinking about it, it's either going to be Georgia or Alabama against Ohio State in the national championship game. And I don't know if Ohio State will win that. But I know they're going to be there. That's how good they are. Can we talk about the game of the day? Well, these are great games, by the way, Mike. These are all fantastic. Can we talk about the game of the day? The game nobody wanted to win. Which game is that? Auburn, Auburn over Missouri, 17-14. Nobody wanted to win that one. Brian Arson tried to give it away. Missouri can't get a field goal, fumble through the end zone. Uh, what are we doing there, Mike? What was going on? The game out of my head is honestly the second half of that football game. And I went back. So what I do is I watch as many games as possible on Saturday. Then Saturday night, you know, I'll tape the uh, late game and I'll rewatch. And then when Sunday and Monday comes around, especially networks like the Big Ten Network, which give you those really, um, you know, uh, uh, summarized looks at the game. It's play after play after play, you know, commercial, all that stuff. I'll watch them again. The last mm, probably more than 30 minutes. You know, into overtime. I don't know how long, you know, whatever you count. The last 35 minutes of that football game were just the worst for 35 <laughs> minutes of football you're ever going to see, ever, ever. But you ever. couldn't turn away, right? You couldn't, you couldn't stop watching. But it was disgusting. It was disgusting. I mean, honestly, I don't – I would rather – I'd rather Harson get fired after this than – losing to LSU or losing to Georgia or losing to Ole Miss or losing to Arkansas, whatever game coming up that he's going to lose that he's going to get fired after, I'd rather this be the, the fireable offense because you won in such a disgustingly horrible way that you don't deserve to stay there and they don't want you there. And listen, I don't think he should be fired in his second year. I mean, what, what are we coming to? But they didn't want him in the first place. They tried to get rid of him. If you're going to fire him, fire him after this game. And, and Eli Drinkwitz, I need to know – I just need to know how <clears throat> Luther Burden is the best athlete you have on offense. He's a true freshman. How's he get three targets, no yards? Uh, if I'm Luther Burden, you know, I'm, and he seems to be a very quiet kid, and he's not like a Keishon Butte who's going to, you know, strip all, you know, mentions of his team. I would look at the portal. Now, again, you can't go in the portal unless your coach is fired. Then you get a 30-day window during, you know, the season or December. But if I'm Luther Burden, I'm looking at that portal. There's no way on earth I should be targeted three times. There's no way on earth that I should be have zero yards. And there's no way on earth that that I shouldn't get a minimum eight to ten touches a game, whether it's you know, jet sweeps, direct snaps, whatever. So really just two horrible coaching jobs. Um, and I, I think, you know, we know Harson's a dead man walking, but I think this game itself has the Missouri fan base 
really, really, really itching for a change. We'll get to coaches in just one second. Is there any other game, Mike, this weekend that, that caught your eye, that surprised you, maybe a below-the-radar game that you were uh, really interested in? <sighs> I mean, Iowa, their defense has outscored their offense, right? I think it's <laughs> good. Um, now, the Oregon-Washington State game, to me, was intriguing. Um, you know, because Washington State's a pretty good football team. They got off to a good start. Um, Oregon was down in this game pretty much all the way until the fourth quarter. Uh, and then, you know, we had another Bo Nix show. And that yeah. just intrigues me because, you know, he's always had talent, always. He was a five-star high school for a reason. Um, but it's starting to come together. They're three and one. He's starting to put, you know, everything together where he doesn't have to do too much and, and play within himself, like like Hooker that I talked about. Um. He's cutting down on the mistakes. He's a threat to run the ball. You know, Oregon suddenly to me looks like the best team in the Pac-12, which there's no way we could ever say that after the loss to Georgia. But Georgia looks so good and so strong. And I know they didn't play well this past weekend, but that doesn't count. Um, You know, USC, there's some holes there. Still got issues in the trenches. Um, UCLA quietly 4-0, but you know they'll blow one or two games that they should win. You know, Washington, they're not ready yet. They're 4-0 as well. Utah disappointed me against Florida. I, I think this Oregon team is is going to be really dangerous if Bo Nix can continue to play with this confidence. Because if you give this kid confidence, at Auburn he was running for his life, and he was given the job because of his last name over Malik Willis. And there were a lot of people internally when he started to struggle – that felt that that was a mistake um, and and he had no offensive line to deal with whatsoever. Now he could get his footing at Oregon. They've got some weapons. He could really make a lot of noise. Yeah. And I thought he might go into the tank. He had a horrible pick six, right? Push Washington state up 17, six. I thought that may be, you know, the, the folding up, but to your point, I give him credit. Mike. he came back and played a pretty good football game after that. Obviously the defense with a, with a pick six to help steal the thing at the end there. But I think old Bo Nix throws that pick six, goes to the sideline, pouts a little bit and, and gets yeah. in his head. This and version it, of Bo Nix came back and played. And I credit Kenny Dellingham and I credit Dan Lanning of sticking with him. I mean, cause there's a lot of pressure out there to, to yank this guy, especially after the, the loss to, to, to Georgia. And, and there's Bo Nix jokes out there, similar to what we saw, Kellen Mond jokes and Spencer Rattler jokes of guys who just never sort of lived up to their, their expectations. Um, the Bo Nix jokes are out there. These guys believe in him. They believe in what they're doing. Um, and I think that was you know crucial for them to show that confidence in him and say, listen, we know you got drubbed by Georgia. You know, we know you struggled here and there, but we believe in you. And he, he paid that belief off against BYU and, and Washington State this past weekend. They got Stanford and Arizona, which are two layups. And then UCLA, which is a good, difficult game. Cal, Colorado. I mean, until they get to Washington and Utah uh, and then at Oregon State at the end of the season, the schedule's cake. I mean, we could easily be looking at a team with one loss uh, heading into Thanksgiving or you know, at least heading into the middle of November. All right, let's go off the field, Mike. Three straight weeks, and we've had a coach fired after the weekend. Uh, This time, Jeff Collins is relieved of his duties from Georgia Tech. He follows Herm Edwards 
out at Arizona State, and of course Scott Frost out in Nebraska. Now that we know more about the openings, Mike, um, who's starting to you think come and play for some of these openings? Let's start with Georgia Tech. Obviously, kind of hot off the press. Uh, obviously, a dreadful year of ten and twenty-eight lifetime for for Jeff Collins. Uh, you know, blown out against uh, against Ole Miss. Uh, probably could have beaten UCF this weekend, but they just couldn't get out of their own way. And Jeff Collins goes away. Who do you think is going to take over at Georgia Tech? Who's your shortlist? Who's your favorite? What are your What are your front runners for the head coach job there? You know, it's a very attractive job because of Atlanta and NIL. So Jamie Chadwell would be my first choice, Coastal Carolina. Um, you know, done a great job there. Took over, if you remember, you know, really during a tough situation um, and and just earned that job because he was an interim. Uh, and now he's become, you know, a guy who's consistently winning at the group of five level, knows how to recruit, would be a perfect fit in that region. Um, Tyson Helton, Western Kentucky coach, is, is mentioned if you're looking for an offensive guy, especially after following Collins, who is a defensive guy. Um, you're going to hear Bill O'Brien, you know, Jeff Trailer, UTSA. I mentioned him for Arizona State. Uh, he's going to be mentioned also, you know, for this, but I'm not sure if he's, you know, really going to take a job like Georgia Tech or Arizona State. Um, you know, th- those are the kind of ones that, that stand out to me. If I'm Georgia Tech, I go and get a group of five guy who can recruit. I go and get Chadwell, and I try to see if NIL can make a difference because of this the city of Atlanta. What about Todd Munkin, Georgia OC? Yeah, I, I think that I don't know if Munkin – Munkin is going to be a hot name, you know, because obviously Georgia, if they lose a football game this season, it's going to be, you know, maybe to Alabama and the SEC championship. I mean, they could get upset, but they're not going to lose more than two football games this entire season. The offense just rolling. He's going to be in bigger play for bigger jobs, I think down the stretch. Um, I would, if I were him, I would never touch this job, you know, because not only do you have to recruit against Kirby in the state of Georgia, which is an impossible task. You also get to be, get drilled by him at the end of every season. I just, I wouldn't see that as an attractive job for him. What about Arizona state? Have you any insight on how their search is uh, coming together? No, no insight. I mean, my guy is trailer. I would, I I think it's a great fit um, because they want to recruit the state of Texas. Um, you know, you would think California would be more important, but everything I hear is that they want a guy who can get into Texas, um, you know, and also obviously recruit California, but trailer is, you know, he's a big name, you know, group of five guy um, continues to be hot in those circles. Uh, a lot of people think that he's not going to take a job unless it's a step up in the state of Texas. I don't believe that to be true at all. Um, and I think Arizona state would be very smart to grab him, but now nah, it, it's so early there. You know, and it's obviously early at Georgia Tech um, that there haven't been really any front runners that that have come to mind. Um, you know, it's funny because Norvell comes from there and he went to Memphis. And now he's at Florida State. And there was some talk of a couple retread potential hires. Um, you know, Harson is a guy who's been mentioned with Arizona State and he doesn't even he's not even out of a job yet. Uh, and Norvell was another one if he got up to a real struggle this season. So they could end up taking a coach that didn't succeed where he's at, who could be a good coach and a better fit there. A lot of fans on social media were, were drubbing the Baylor Iowa state game as the Nebraska head coach bowl with Dave Aranda and Matt Campbell. Your head is uh, shaking vehemently there. What do you hear about Nebraska? I, I think they're going to go for those guys. Obviously I think they're going to go for fickle. I think they're going to go for, uh, you know, Aranda. He's got big 10 ties and, you know, obviously a tremendous coach. Matt Campbell, but others have come for Matt Campbell. Bigger names have come for Matt Campbell, and they failed. Bigger names have come for Fickle, and they failed. Um, you know, Aranda's the wild card a little bit, 
you know, I, I think LSU was obviously extremely interested in him. Um, I just don't see him leaving, you know, the, the fertile state of Texas and a, and a good situation at Baylor um, to go there. Now, a former Baylor coach, Matt Rule, could certainly be in play, um, you know, if he doesn't last the season in Carolina. Uh, I think Lance Leopold would be the hire. And, and some Nebraska fans have sort of shot back and say, no, we need guys who could recruit. No, no, you don't need guys who could recruit because you're going to get a four or five star here and there. You know, your class is going to be made up majority of threes. Um, and in this day and age, I've probably already made this rant. Everybody's a three. Try to find a two star in somebody's recruiting class now. Try. I dare you. It just doesn't exist uh, because the ranking systems have all become just like society where it's just, you know, inclusion and trying to people please everybody to death. So, you know, when I say three stars, uh, it's really not it's not all three stars. I mean, there's going to be some two star kids that go to Nebraska. It's just life. Um, you need someone who could coach them up. And that's what Leopold can do. Uh, I don't think he's in any hurry to leave Kansas. I think they're going to throw everything they can at him as far as guaranteed money to keep him. Um, but they need a coach like that, somebody who can, you know, coach him up. And Matt Rule can certainly do that. He saved the Baylor program. Um, and, and Leopold has done it everywhere he's gone. All right, well, go to your crystal ball. Do we make it four weeks in a row? Is there a coach fired after yeah. this week, Mike? Absolutely. All right, who's, who's, who's losing their job? Well, first of all, this should kind of be like, you know, this is like Survivor now. I mean, it should be a, a kind of a rule. <laughs> Right. It should be a rule in college football that one team has to fire somebody every week because this is fun. I mean, it sucks for the coaches. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, to have a coach fired after week one, after week two, after week. Two, I mean, just crazy. Um, and it wasn't week one. I know it's week two, week three, week four. Um, yeah, I, I have to assume either Harson, you know, or I mean, they're playing LSU. Uh, probably not going to win that game. Um, so he'll be gone or Carl Durrell, um, mm. at Colorado, which a lot of people say that Colorado is not going to make a change this year, blah, 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 blah. Well, they're owned for, they're tremendously awful. They're playing Arizona who isn't a good football team either. You know, if they lose in the fashion they've lost to, I mean, they lost to TCU 38, 13, Air Force 41, 10, Minnesota 49, 7, UCLA 45, 17. They lose to Arizona 45 to 10. That move has to be made, just has to. Um, plus, they're heading into a bye week, which is the perfect time to do it. So, yes, somebody is going to be fired absolutely after this week. I can 100% guarantee that. It's just which one of those two guys. That's your that's your top two? Yeah, who am I missing? Can I Sorry? interest you in Jeff Scott? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting. 41 to 3 at Louisville? I mean, after the Florida game, they got absolutely croaked. There's absolutely no reason for them to get croaked 41 to three to a Louisville team that's trying to make Malik Cunningham uh, a, a, a pocket passer. And they finally, finally, after what, four games, said, you know what, maybe that's not a good idea. Let's let Malik run. And he runs for 113 yards and three touchdowns. Like, where is the brain trust anywhere that says that he should be a pocket passer? But yeah, no, I, I get that. One and three. Uh, who are they playing this week? That's the big question. I mean, East Carolina. ECU, who yeah, just lost to Navy, by the way. And they, they, which is amazing because Navy sucks. And Navy's coach was on the hot seat too. So, yeah, I mean, they, they could get dropped there. Um, not on my radar. Uh, yeah. I think more Durrell uh, and certainly more Harrison 
are on my radar as for you know potential firings this week. All right, a good week in college football, Mike. Some really good close games, but I imagine something has you pissed off this week. What is pissed off, Mike? Now, you know what? I went to a concert last night, and this isn't the pissed off portion. I went to the first rock concert I've gone to probably in fifteen years. Um, saw a band called Bring Me the Horizon. Not sure if you ever heard of them. They're from England, and they were up at this carnival that is occurs in Springfield, Massachusetts every year called the Big E, and it's really just usually a nightmare. Um, and they never get good bands. And somebody convinced this amazing band from England to show up. And they were awesome. They were really awesome. Great. Uh, the only thing that pissed me off, one minute left in the last song, somebody was crowd surfing and the crowd forgot to surf her. Mm. And she fell and she cracked her head open and they had to stop the show and ambulance her out and then end it. I'm pissed off at the people who... Mm. Crowd surfing, you don't just, it's not a trust fall. It's what you do at concerts like this. So for them to let her fall, uh, it had nothing to do with me personally as far as, you know, not getting to see the last minute of the last song of the show or anything like that. But I mean, I just don't understand how that possibly happens. It's it's similar to the play calling in the Missouri-Auburn. You know, you just... You're puzzled by it. Now, I, I assume she's okay. I hope she's okay. If she's not, then this is probably very inappropriate to talk about. It was a scary situation. Um, but I tell you what, that I felt like I was 20 years old again last night. And now, after standing uh, in the same spot for like two hours, I feel like I'm 85 years old today. Are you a crowd surfer, Mike? Ever been crowd surfing? Imagine I'm 260, man. They wouldn't be able to hold me up. And I'm not a crowd surfer. I didn't go near any circle pits, uh, mosh pits, any uh, wave of deaths, none of that. I was in the you know peripheral. I was on the floor, standing room only, and just sort of chilling and, and enjoying it. But it was an amazing, amazing show. They're you know arguably my favorite band. Um, so it was great. The whole experience was excellent. And you said this is some sort of a carnival? Eh, that there's a part of that. Yeah, there's like all the fried uh, dough. Do you have like a, yeah, I was going to ask you, you got, what's your favorite carnival? What's your go-to? You go in fried dough, you go in fried yeah. Oreos. Where do you, where do you uh-huh. go? No, the Oreos would never leave and I just die of diabetic shock. So it's fried dough. Definitely fried yeah. dough. Um, we didn't partake in the fried dough last night though. I wanted to stay like light and fit for, uh, you know, for the show itself. So okay. Decided to, you know, stay a little bit off the heavy, heavy food. And I didn't do any of the rides. I'm not going on the wheel, the, the, the roller coaster of death or, you know, the thing where they bring you 80 floors up and then drop. None of that stuff. I just I, it was dangerous enough for me to be around people because I was probably the oldest person uh, down on the floor. And that was good enough for me. Well, we're glad you made it alive. Luckily, <laughs> not well, this not, show would have been. I'm a new man. I feel great. Yeah. Yeah, if not, this show would have been really interesting if, if you had been uh, you had been dead. But luckily, you're not. Which means MikeFarrellSports.com will continue to get updated. What's happening there, Mike? Gives a sneak peek. Oh, Articles yeah. are going up this week. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's just so much. These guys do a great job. It's it's not just me. We got five reasons why it's time to buy the volunteers, which is a great article by Kyle Golick. You know, we got our week four awards, which we do at the end of every weekend by uh, you know Matt Perkins. Top five QB duels of the past decade. This was inspired by the DJ Wangalele, Sam Hartman uh, 
bomb fest. And this will bring you back to Joe Burrow versus Tua, um, Deshaun Watson versus Lamar Jackson, if you remember that great battle. Yes. Oh, yeah. Gino, yeah. Gino Smith, Nick Florence, which a lot of people don't remember. Um, Jared Goff, Connor Halliday, a lot of people don't remember that one either. And then, you know, the coup de gras, Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes, when Mahomes threw for 735 yards. And also rushed for 85 yards in that game, by the way, which people forget. He threw for 734, and he ran for 85. I mean, unbelievable. But Baker Mayfield had a pretty good game himself, 545 and seven touchdowns. So it's cool articles like that, factor fiction. You know, should Kansas be ranked? Should Syracuse be ranked? Is Hakeem Williams the biggest FSU commitment since Cam Akers? Uh, we got the replacements up for Jeff Collins. You know, we got a great Sunday feature. Uh, does Miami actually matter? Do we need a good Miami in college football? Um, so all those are there for your consumption. Fantastic. Again, MikeFrailSports.com is where you can find all that. If you're listening to us, thanks for doing that. Hit subscribe on either your podcast player right now or hit subscribe in the YouTube video. Uh, anytime Mike decides to do one of these, you'll be the first, well, the second one to know about it. I think, yeah, I think I'm first. I think he's second. Uh, and then I think you might be third. So. Yeah, I'm not sure the order there, but if you hit subscribe, you don't have to worry about it. You just get the you get the show anyway. You get the fun. show without all of the all the hard work that goes into putting it together, which is uh, it's a break for all of you. you. Put it together, you got to put the audio, the video together, you got to put the clips together. I just sit here and talk like an idiot, so it's not hard for me. And we'll do it again next week, perhaps if you want to uh, tune in. Uh, as always, a good week of college football ahead, Mike. I look forward to uh, hearing you and Thor this weekend breaking down the games. Yes. Uh, how are you doing in the season? What's our What's our record? I don't have it. Weird, right? Because okay. you should have it. Um, but I, I think I'm twenty nine and twenty five. That's my guess. Um, okay. I, I haven't really dug into it that deeply, um, but I'm doing well. I mean, for me, that's really good. Um, so, oh, and actually, I, I, I'm, I'm 33 and 30. That's my. That's <laughs> Close I, well, I just looked at it right now. I'm 33 and 30. Uh, okay. I was About 500. Okay. Yeah, I'm doing better than Thor. That's all that matters. I mean, I'm teaching the young buck a little bit about gambling. And, you know, there's some props that we talk about, too, that are just, you know, Michael Mayer was like over under 49 yards or something against UNC. I'm like, why don't you just give me money? There's no point. I, do I really have to place a bet on this? Like, of course he's going to. And he got over that in the first half. UNC's defense is horrible. There, There's props in here where you can make money because we dig into those pretty deeply. Um, and then there's props that go wrong. Sam Hartman under 297 yards passing. It didn't come in as well as I hope. So, uh, but the gambling show, uh, you know, it, it's, it's fun. Uh, it's bettingpros.com at bettingpros on Twitter betting pros on youtube i don't know what else i'm doing i think that's it well that's all for this one new uh thanks for tuning in everybody again uh, make sure you're subscribing and uh be nice to each other be nice to mike if you see him out of the conference and make sure you catch him if he crowd surfs that's uh, yeah and, and if, you, to, if he does prayers, get a, get a girl i mean hopefully all as yeah. well I, I don't joke about i should joke about it. i mean it was just very scary but you know i try to find things that i'm upset about sometimes I become very inappropriate. Thoughts and prayers to all of you. Best of luck. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube.